Hello and welcome and whatever, who cares? It's This Is Going Well, I Think, with David Cooper, and I'm David Cooper. It's This Is Going Well, I Think, the show where no one's listening and no one cares, the show where every episode's the last episode. We are here with an expert in family and marital therapy. You can find out all about him at YourSocialWorker.com. His name is Gary Deerenfeld, big fan of his, and he's actually here for Therapy Thursdays on a Thursday? What? first birthday to your puppy uh sydney is it yes i remembered i didn't remember i looked at your fucking facebook page but how is your puppy doing he is so good he is such a sweet little boy it's amazing is he pooping is he pooping outside is he doing all the things a dog is supposed to do he's been doing that for half a year so you lucked out. I mean, I feel like it's with kids. You could you could be great parents. And it's not luck out, having lucked out. It's good training. Yeah, but I mean, you could get the dog from hell, and despite your good training, you get it. No, you don't believe that. It's good training. Okay, we've got. He's a very um, rambunctious dog. Sure. Huge energy. Huge. So you have to learn how to manage that. How to how to um, what's the word? You know set boundaries set boundaries um yeah and you know that that that's on us well what about for kids you could have very well adjusted parents who do everything right and then your kid's a sociopath anyway is it is it the same for kids like it is with pets or it's a little different you know what so much depends on parenting but having said that we're nature and nurture mm-hmm so, of course, there's a component of nature. Okay. Well, I, I understand dogs are mostly nature because they're instinct-driven and all that. So, I'll concede that you're probably right. Uh, all right. I do want to talk about this hit and run you were involved with. But before that, about a month ago, we tracked the saga of Deerenfeld versus Electrolux. Uh, the short of it is this. You had an appliance mishap. You took on this company headfirst. I claim that maybe it was about something deeper than just the washer dryer but you said no no it's just the washer dryer it was kind of a david and goliath story uh, i do need an update what ended up happening are you happy with the result sure and uh then you'll ask me about my david and goliath story with the insurance company getting the payout on my crashed car okay sure but that, that'll be at the end of this because i mean the story is kind of bone chilling i saw these crazy photos but we're gonna get to that in a second okay Last I heard, you reached out to the CEO of Electrolux Canada or what, some executive on LinkedIn to say, hey, this is what happened. How did they resolve it? Okay, we'll, we'll deal with all of that. Okay, let's jump in. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm a little mucousy, so I'm going to be clearing my throat through this, but. I mean, that's a fetish of mine, so it's win-win. You're such an easy laugh. You're too easy to laugh, Gary. I, I've missed you. I've missed you too, buddy. How, hang on a second. How how have you been? Well, uh, it's July. 
I'm full out of my sads, which is my favorite name disorder. Uh, it's so funny to me that seasonal affective disorder, the acronym is SADS. I don't know who planned that or if it was an accident, but it's the funniest thing ever. Um, but there's this like dark cloud over me knowing that in November it might come back. But yeah, ever since I started working on this podcast, getting off my ass, getting the show out every day, uh, going out more, being more social, not just kind of staying inside. I was in this funk, this spiral where you don't want to go out, you're feeling agoraphobic, you don't want to face people because you just feel pathetic, but you feel pathetic because you're not around people, you're not doing anything. So I think I just, after a few months of that, I uh, many months of that, like it was November till June when that show at Bell got uh, ended, canceled, whatever. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of knew what I was supposed to do, but wasn't doing it. And I knew that once I started doing it, I would feel better. I'm feeling a lot better now. So I'm actually doing great, Gary. Listen, in anticipation of November and SADS returning, um, up your antidepressant. You think? In October. Okay, I'll mention, I'm, I'm, I actually have been trying to taper off. I'm on Wellbutrin uh, or Bupropion or whatever. Wellbutrin. I've been trying to get like down on my meds, but, and so I went from 300 milligrams to 150, but I'll mention it to my shrink. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I see so many people with, with those issues and I tell them, you know, come October early. October, bump your meds because it takes, you know, three to six weeks for an increase to take effect so that you've got that in your system for when you need to deal with it. Okay. I, I think that's a great idea. Uh, I think it's great general advice if you're taking antidepressants and you know you've got a kind of a cycle of moods. Uh, it's something to talk to your psychiatrist. For. Exactly. Plan for it. Uh, okay. So we just actually, believe it or not, set a, an agenda very coherently. Uh, let's get back to this Electrolux thing because it was so funny to me that it escalated to you messaging an executive or a, someone high-ranking at the company on LinkedIn of all places. How did it go? Gary? <laughs> Are we already recording? Yeah, I've been recording since the beginning. Well, I didn't know that, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering because earlier you're like, okay, we're going to talk about that. Um, this is something I do now. I just record from the beginning. And if you were to say or do something that was like... Inappropriate? Yeah, I would just cut it. You know, uh -huh. there's never anything that I tape that I can't cut if it's going to get you in trouble. Okay. Well, you know what? Le le leave this in and leave this dead air in. And, you know, <laughs> I'm glad my pants are zippered up, for God's sakes. <laughs> okay. We set an agenda. And I, I want to know about what happened with Electrolux. Well, you're right. What I did is I went to LinkedIn and I looked for wherever their executives uh, made a comment on somebody else's post. Sure. I replied to their comment. Hi, Gary here. I, I'm having trouble <laughs> with, uh, with your company and this is what's going down and this is what I've been through and I'm hoping you can help me. Yeah. And, and I did that with six or eight members of their executive team wow i just hunted them down it's easy on linkedin you just search for electrolux and one exec took it under his wing rather quickly i had a new dryer in two weeks <laughs> in two weeks it's kind of amazing but it's also sad that it came to that you know you couldn't just call and complain you had to do something like that no kidding are you happy with the new dryer gary yeah, 
Yeah, because it doesn't do the nonsense the old one did. All right. You consider this a closed case? Yeah. Okay. We're good now. Okay. We're good. You know, and talking with so many people about their appliance experiences, everyone has a horror story. And it just seems that these days, you, you can spend thousands of dollars on appliances. They're not made for longevity. And you pay for all this extra support. And it's nonsense. It's, it's, it's like dealing with some insurance companies. Their job is to keep you out uh, because it, it sustains their profitability. A claims adjuster or whatever. Actually, I've always had luck because they just don't understand motorcycles. So they're just like, I don't understand them. They're cheaper than cars. Sure. What, what happened? We'll give you the money. I mean, I've only ever had my bike totaled once. I wasn't on it. It was parked. Oh, my gosh. But with cars, they know what's going on, so they know how to nickel and dime you. So it's the same with appliances. Uh, service is awful. It's because these things are just, they have this little embedded computer that does everything. And it's, you know, it, machines, the way they used to build them, it was all analog. They could swap out a part. They understand how they worked. Nowadays, it's just one little computer controlling the whole thing. And, and they were built with parts that were durable sure everything's plastic and you know it vibrates and then breaks but things are cheaper than they would be if they were built like they used to be so i don't know if it's kind of lose win there Nah, i i'd happily pay more and have the the thing last for years and years and we're filling up our you know our landfills yep with these things uh, because of the planned obsolescence that's built into anyways. That makes me sick. I have a five-year-old iPhone, and I'm certain that the computer in there is fast enough to run properly, and the thing isn't working well, and I, now i got to get a new one. I don't want a new one. Uh, I don't care about I'm thinking of just getting the cheapest. You know what? We won't talk about my struggles. But, yeah, this little <laughs> internal computer in your dryer breaks, the other, the the motor, the, the what, how, the, everything else in it is fine. It ends up in the landfill because, you know, the parts aren't replaceable. Yep. Insane. It's a happy ending. I got that dryer in two weeks of contacting that person. But think about what your hourly rate is, Gary, and think about the stress. You did not win. I mean, if you, if you actually like divide the amount of minutes that you spent, you know, by your hourly rate, it maybe it wasn't worth it. It was because there's a satisfaction in holding a company accountable. Okay. And that's, that's the real payoff. You know, they want you to just go away and die is my feeling about this who is they gary you're talking about the jews again no, i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> God, you're awful uh, uh, uh big industry big industry yeah but uh, how's, how's that for a conspiracy theory they don't care like at the end of the day they send you a new one and they don't care i guess you got this one guy to care i wanted a new one they kept saying uh, i was yeah, change your laundry detergent how will changing my laundry detergent help my dryer? I had to jump through the craziest of hoops with Electrolux. And I'll keep using their name because this is a true story. This is not slander. This, These are facts. It's provable. Yeah. That's like the uh, the computer equivalent of, have you tried turning it on and off again? Have you tried using a different detergent? And, and the third repairman said, we're going to replace these parts. It's not going to fix the problem. But it, but they allow me to replace parts. And if I replace these parts and the problem remains, then maybe they'll do something with the machine. <laughs> so stupid. Waste of their money. Can you imagine? They paid for that guy's rate. They paid for that guy to put in the parts. You know, they paid for those individual parts. Waste of money. I saw the invoice for um, one of the earlier repair persons who came who did nothing but, you know, assess the problem. That was about... $300. Yeah. 
they came four times. That's $1,200. I paid less for the machine. Yeah, so stupid. So stupid. Okay, uh, this has been fun. That whole saga was fun for me. I just needed the, the, the thrilling conclusion. Closure. You need a closure on my experience with Electrolux. And I, I want to tell you, I remained calm. I remained uh, polite. I remained courteous throughout. Just persistent. I feel like some people don't get that. When you're angry with someone or something or some organization, you can express that anger and frustration calmly and politely and like effectively, or you can start yelling and get angry and threaten people. There's a sort of a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's important. Okay, this is this is just icing on the cake for me. Uh, I want to talk about this hit and run because you were on a major highway, the QEW 427 area in Toronto. Going eastbound, no, uh, what direction is that? Yeah, eastbound on the QEW towards the 427, 10.30, 10.40 p.m., Saturday night, July the 1st. I'm, I exit onto the ramp to the 427 northbound, and it, those of you that know the ramp, it, it's kind of long before it takes the 90-degree the turn north onto the 427. I look in my rear view, and the, the, first of all, traffic was going at the rate of speed. It, it, was, it was a nice night for driving. I look in my rear view, and there's a set of headlights bearing down on me so fast that by the time I see them, I know I'm going to be hit. It, and with less than a split second, this uh, guy in a pickup truck, I, I don't know if it's this person in a pickup truck, hits my rear end pushes me into the guardrail on the driver's side, spins me 180 degrees, and keeps driving. Wow. I, and I'm sitting there, and, and it, kind of in shock, more surprised, because I, I didn't lose anything. I didn't lose my consciousness. I was aware the whole, whole way through and, and aware after. <clears throat> so he takes off, and I realize what, what has transpired but I don't know if I'm injured or not. It's too soon, right? I don't know if I'm injured. That's a crazy feeling. I once rolled, uh, I rolled an SUV once and I won't get into my story, but it felt like I was in a movie in some sense. Like I was yeah. watching it happen to someone else. And then you start looking at your body to see if you're okay. Exactly. Oh my God, you've had the same experience. I look down at my legs, they're there. I don't see blood and I start running my hands over my head and through my hair. My hair is very short. It's easy to do. And then I look at my hands for blood. Nothing. I, I, I feel my shoulders. I feel my torso from, from the, uh, uh, what's it called? Seatbelt. Seat, thank you. Seatbelt. <laughs> Maybe I've got word finding problems since then. And uh, the airbag didn't deploy. I think, okay, I am facing oncoming traffic halfway into the first lane. Uh, cars are going around me. My car, <laughs> there are parts strewn uh, across uh, both uh, lanes of, of that on-ramp. I get out of my vehicle. Other cars stop to render aid to me, which was great. And, you know, I, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And they were saying, we knew it was going to happen. I said, what do you mean you knew it was going to happen? That guy came weaving so fast in and out of traffic, past us, continued driving erratically like that. And then we saw him crash, you know, hit you. It was a Dodge Ram 
aptly named uh, uh, truck. And apparently, you know, once the police got there, and that's a weird part of the story. It took 20 minutes for the police to get there. Yeah. Were the ambulance and fire department there first? Hang on a second. I phone 911 and I explain everything that's transpired. My car is strewn across the highway. I said, uh, fluids are leaking from my car. I don't know what the fluids are. I'm not standing near my car at this point. Um, I think you better send a fire truck as well as police. 20 minutes later, police rolls up. Never saw a fire truck. Wow. Never saw an ambulance. I, I said, I'm uninjured. I don't need an ambulance. But you're still a, you're a danger to other motorists and a potential fire danger. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So I, I was kind of, oh, I was on hold for a couple of minutes on 911. And then when they transferred me to OPP, I was on hold for a moment uh, or two as well. It's annoying. What can I tell you? Um, Did anyone get the plate of this Dodge Ram? So uh, by the time the police did arrive he said they've received numerous calls about the crash and someone took pursuit of the dodge ram and they did get a license number and reported it i have i own the front grill of that truck <laughs> muscle <laughs> you're the proud owner of it was a new the only thing left at the dodge scene. ram uh the pictures of this are the engine block of your car looks like like someone just mushed it i know the the there's pictures of this on your facebook page ripped it apart it's skeletal absolutely anyway if anyone wants to see them the pictures are on your facebook page where i believe you have twenty two thousand more followers than this podcast uh also <laughs> coincidentally you have twenty two thousand followers um I was, I'm so glad and surprised that you're okay. I'm surprised I'm okay. And, and thank you. Yeah. What, how do you think you got so lucky? Was it the car you were in? Was it just a freak chance of luck? Uh, did you take any defensive maneuvers when the car hit you? Like there was no chance for, there was no chance for a defensive maneuver. I was along for the ride. But having said that, I had spent the entire day at a friend's indigenous sweat. Okay. Did you know that? Yeah. Um, uh, I have friends who are indigenous, wonderful people. Uh, over, uh, they live on Six Nations, uh, just outside of Brantford. And I was invited for a traditional indigenous sweat. Uh, it was such a wonderful, peaceful, calm day. And part of this, um, part of what we went through for the sweat uh, earlier in the day, he and some of his friends had gathered uh, long saplings. Uh, so these are pieces of wood from the forest cut to about uh, 15 foot, 20 foot lengths. And uh, by the time I arrived, it was time to build the sweat lodge. So we pound holes into the ground to which these saplings are going to go bent over so that they form a dome tied up and then covered with... Um, tarps to to hold the the heat in and we spent the day doing that there were i'm losing track six or eight of us and you know my friend he, he's he's an elder he's he's uh, a knowledge keeper he he's a close friend he's a wonderful person and um he leads us through a bunch of discussions through the day as we're doing this there is nothing, um, when I say he leads us, it's not top down, it's um, uh, collaborative. Uh, no one is told what to do or what their place is in terms of helping construct, build the sweat lodge. It's you 
kind of just jump in and do what you're comfortable doing. And if you see somebody needs help with what they're doing, you just pitch in and help. It is, it is such a wonderful um, egalitarian approach. And, you know, we're all a little older, 40 plus. I'm 67 now. And so we're taking breaks because it's also a hot day and we sit down and my friend Pat Green, he'll ask a question. He'll say, you know, just out of the blue, what are you thankful for? And it's like, what? (laughs) Where'd that one come from? And, you know, people start sharing. And as each person shares, they can take as much time or as little time as they want. There's no clock. Sounds like a wonderful kind of energy of gratitude. Sounds like a peaceful day. Uh, do, yes. you th- do you think, I mean, there could be the spiritual connection of why you were okay. There is. I don't believe that stuff, but what I do believe, uh, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying. Uh, you know, I, actually, I'm with you. When, when, for spiritual, it, it was more of a peace and a calm. But what I'm saying is spiritual stuff aside, that calmness may have helped you in that accident. Well, that's that's what I attribute my well-being to that evening. Because, you know, I saw that coming. I didn't really tense up. I, you know, the car gets spun around. I was still, I was carrying the calm and the peace of the day through the entire experience. I did not lose my cool. I was not in shock. I was surprised. I was not in shock. I want to differentiate. Um, I got out of the car. I expressed my gratitude to those who stopped. I expressed my gratitude to the uh, police officer. I expressed my gratitude to the tow truck uh, driver. Um, I was, I was in remarkably good shape. It it surprised me. That was a surprise to me. (laughs) Sounds like the best possible headspace to be in to get into an accident. And to be very clear, I'm not saying the spiritual stuff isn't true or doesn't exist. I'm just saying there, you know, if it does, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. All I know is I was, I was in a remarkably good headspace when this occurred. And I carried that headspace still for for days and days afterwards wow i I remember when i rolled this truck i was 17 18 i was pretty young but completely total the forerunner the pictures looked about the same as the pictures of your accident but when i rolled the truck my car spun around and it kind of teeter-tottered upside down and then went back on its right side up 180 degrees rotation and the car was still in drive and so it started rolling kind of raggedy rolling because one of the tires was messed up toward oncoming traffic and i remember thinking i gotta press the brake and i gotta put the car in park and that action of doing those two things could it in my mind took an hour i had the most clear calm slow focus it was like almost automatic and it was just the strangest feeling ever pressing the brake putting the car in park after I'd been in that horrible accident. And that is, the, to me, the strongest memory of the, of the accident. And the reason I say all this is it's this very strange feeling of everything going very slowly. It's almost like you don't have time to freak out. You know, it just, it just happens so fast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so it, it was kind of an extraordinary, well, it was an extraordinary experience. Uh, but, you know, when, look, it, the, the car that I got crashed in, uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee. It's a big, heavy vehicle in and of itself. And absolutely, being in that vehicle contributed to saving my life. If you'd been in a smart car, you might not have been so lucky. Uh, 
<laughs> I would have been pinballed all over the road uh, more than I was. Um, so yes, the, there's merit to that vehicle, uh, but there, uh, equal merit to how the headspace that I was in at the time of the crash. So afterward, do you think the police are going to get this driver? Uh, you know. So apparently they have found the vehicle and the registered owner, which is different from putting the registered owner behind the wheel of the car at the time of the crash. Yeah. Do they, are there witnesses who could potentially finger the person? Not who can identify the driver, but who identified the vehicle and the license plate. Interesting. So we'll have to see what happens where that is concerned. But from my perspective, I kind of don't care. Like I care in terms of this person needs to learn a lesson and not drive that way. But apart from that, um, I'm fine. Um, I've survived for at least the time being that person's off the road. Um, I wrote to or emailed to the officer um, a message that I hope he delivers to the driver. And uh, I explained that I'm a 67-year-old guy who, who um, uh, had a quadruple bypass last year that sent my family into shock. And on that evening, you sent my family into shock again. And you were seen to be driving erratically. I want you to know that I've come out of this unscathed and I hold no malice towards you. Um, and that I hope uh, you weren't injured as well. And that uh, at the end of the day, this informs your driving practices. Yeah, it's like you're not vindictive. I mean, it would be nice nope. if he was charged, whatever. He did commit a crime. That's not my issue. That's the, the police's issue. It's between him and the state, as it were. But I, I think yeah. that's so the goal of the message really is think about what you did. Don't do not do it again because don't you don't want to put another person through that. I came out of a day that day where we're practicing um, grace and forgiveness. Yeah. What am I going to do? Blow it all up on this guy? I think that's so nice. I mean, uh, and, and I think the goal, the underlying goal is so that it doesn't happen to anyone else. And if, you, you know, it could be much worse yeah. if it happens again. Yeah, I just wanted him to realize, you know, there's an impact, good word, to his actions that affect others and that he might want to be aware of that. All right, so that's what happened. That's where you were. Thank you for sharing that. But now we've got Gary versus Insurance Company. Do you think they're getting <laughs> another, that? They've, they've another got it. David and Goliath, right? They've got to total out your car and give you a check for it, right? I mean, there's no way. Well, there's no question that the car is totaled. That that's that's not an issue. The issue is valuing ah. the the vehicle so that I get an appropriate payout. And uh, they say, you know, go to the internet and send us some comparables and we'll take those into account, which I do. And this was a 2011 Jeep with uh, 120,000 kilometers, near new tires, and I had just put 2,000 bucks into the brakes. So a, a good car, but not a spring chicken. You know, this isn't a 2023 Ferrari. Right. Correct. But having said that, you know that the price of used vehicles these days is still right up there. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, and you never find the exact comparable. You never do yeah. because some have this options, some have, regardless of the the um, level of that vehicle. You know whether it's the the starter of that vehicle or the one fully dressed. Uh, so mine's the Laredo, which is the entry vehicle, but it was loaded up with all the options that make it 
the mid-level car, even though it's badged the entry level. Got it. So now we're haggling over the uh, payout on this. They're, they want to pay out as if it's the entry level with no upgrades. And so, you know, we're a thousand fifteen hundred or so apart. Uh, this is, you know, me, David against the Goliath of the insurance company. And so they offered me sixteen six, and I said, that's not acceptable. And they said, send us more comparables. I do. And they said, well, the comparables that you've sent, that's for the, the one, you know, the upgraded model. I said, but mine had those upgrades. Yeah. Upgrades on it doesn't and 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 they'll say oh that doesn't matter bullshit it doesn't matter yeah it's the same i can swear right yeah of course fuck (laughs) it's the same fucking car it's just badged differently fine i'll take laredo off and put on limited and it's the same car oh no 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 it's so they're playing silly bugger uh with me but i don't again i don't lose my cool i remain calm they said okay we'll send it back to the people who do the valuation and get back to me. Eh, good. Thank you. They come back. Oh, same number. I say, look, it's just not acceptable. I'm not going to accept it. You must have a, a uh, dispute resolution process. Oh, yes. I say, okay, great. What is it? You hire your own evaluator. They come up with a number and they send it to us and we'll discuss it further. I said, wait a minute. That's going to cost me hundreds of dollars on and I'm only looking for, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred more. It's not going to be worth it to me to hire the evaluator. Can't you just rep- represent yourself? Like you take it to the dispute department and you're your own evaluator? Uh, they just don't work that. They don't have a dispute department. They have to get an independent valuation that goes back to their same evaluators. Yeah. I said, like, are, are you kidding me? I said, this just isn't acceptable. I said, you know here's here's what i may be left having to do i may have to take this claim to court and if i do i will absolutely name the ceo of the company and i will name you uh in my dispute and you'll be greatly inconvenienced even if you guys never show up you're going to be inconvenienced because you're at least your legal team has to deal and i'm not threatening you i'm just saying this is the position you put someone like me in. And I'm saying this, again, all calmly. And I am literally saying to this person, this isn't personal with you. You've been absolutely lovely. I know that you're only presenting the company line, but this is what I have to do as the person on the other side. And I said, you know, we're not even that far apart. You offered uh, 16.6. I think 18 is the right number. I have valuations that go for 19 and change. And uh, I said, you may want to think twice about the, you know, what my aggravation to your company will be worth. And you may want to come back to me with some other number. I'm not even telling her what the number is, you know. So that was on Friday. She said, leave it with her. She's away Monday, Tuesday. So maybe I'll hear from her this week. They're smart. The insurance companies, like they know how much additional time taken on this cost and they factor that all in. So when they talk to the adjuster, they'll be like, it's a small risk. He might be bluffing, but we're already taking this extra time on this. Is this worth $500? They'll probably come back and say no and give you your amount. That that, we'll, again, we'll see. But again, I'm always polite. I'm always courteous. I'm absolutely firm and I'm certainly persistent. 
Okay, well, that's the saga of the car accident, the Electrolux. At the beginning of this interview, you asked me how I was. I want to know how you are because it's been too long since. And here's what I want you to know. We haven't spoken in a long time. Yeah. I do not want you to think that because we haven't spoken, I haven't thought about you. Oh, that's so sweet. I think about you too. I want you to know that I think about you and I wonder, where the fuck is he? How is he doing? Why haven't I heard? I don't. I know that you weren't in a good space. I'd reached out to you before. It's not that you blew me off, but oh, we'll get to this kind of thing. You kind of blew me off. I, so I okay, give him a space and wait because I was confident. I was confident that we'd be back in touch. So now I want to know how are you? It's not that I blew you off. It's that I I felt guilty <laughs> for saying I was going to launch this thing earlier and involving you earlier and then doing nothing. I felt like I I had um, wasted your time. Although I released everything we worked on, you know. So folks yeah. who listened to the first episode of you on the show that was taped months in advance. Um, but yeah, that w- it wasn't me blowing you off. It was me in probably not a good way. I could have been better about it saying I need a, a little more time. Well, when I say blow off, there was something going on with you. It wasn't because you were pissed with me. I, 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 I get that. And, you know, uh, I want you to know you never have to feel guilty with me. I bottomed out after um, my show got canceled and I wasn't in a good space. And yeah. I was doing that thing where I know the steps I need to do to get out of it. And I'm choosing mm-hmm. not to take them. I'm choosing what gives me immediate distraction and pleasure in the moment, messing around on my computer, watching TV. Uh, I was kind of keeping a minimum pulse on my radio career. I was still doing appearances with Jim Richards on uh, yeah. on iHeartRadio uh, Canada. But um, yeah, I just, I felt guilty for taping with you and then not releasing it when I said that's what I would do. Um, once I was ready to start rolling again i sent you the episodes i i got everything out and now i'm ready to be in a cadence of taping with you and i don't want you to think that means i don't respect your time because i do i value you as as a performer as a contributor as a person as a friend i know all of that i know all of that not a worry okay not you you don't have to second guess our relationship our friendship and my concern for you uh you don't have to and you don't need to feel guilty. Where you're such a sweet man. Where the fuck did you come from? Like, was it your parents, or did just this a freak occurrence of nature? I'm lucky. I I chose my parents well. <laughs> you know, my dad. My dad died at sixty. He was a lovely man, well respected, well loved. Uh, he died in hospital. When he died, even the cleaning staff came up to my mom and I to express their condolences. Because uh, he was he was loved in the hospital. He had been there a lot. That, I mean, it's sad, but that must have been so nice in a way. Exactly. Um, four years later, my mom meets another man, and I and I can say that he was even nicer than my own dad. <laughs> You're gonna have to answer to that in heaven if there is one. I, right? Like my mom, you know, in a way, twice unlucky because both persons have since passed, but twice lucky because she both, she married two wonderful persons. So, um, my mom is a doll. She's 99 going strong. Uh, we have such a close relationship. It's wonderful. And then my stepdad who, who passed away hmm, five, six years ago now at 98, he was such a sweet man as well. So, these are my role models. I've been immersed in that my whole life. So genetic or nurturing, I don't know. 
I just have Joey Chestnut and Kobayashi, those hot dog eating guys <laughs> as role models. Those are all I have. No. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm doing better. I actually, you wrote recently about kind of gambling addiction, how people just yes. want to do it a little bit, a little bit. I don't actually want to talk about that. But as I was reading through some of your posts, which folks, folks should check out, uh, you've got the blog, yoursocialworker.com, and you've got the Facebook page. But um, I was talking to my shrink about how I've been going out more and enjoying being out rather than going out with friends. And all I can think of is I don't want to be here. I don't want people to see me. I don't want, I don't want to be considered. I don't want to talk to people. I'm an imposter. I got I got canned at radio. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I know it's you say it and it sounds funny and it kind of pathetic, but that's kind of where I was. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not there now. Good. But as a part of being out recently, I've started drinking non-alcoholic beer. I'm not an AA. I am an alcoholic. I know people in AA say non-alcoholic beer is for non-alcoholics, which is to say don't drink it because it has 0. 0.3, 0. 0.4, even 0.5% alcohol. My therapist kind of, I didn't even think he would say this. He's like, why are you doing that? Is it to get the taste of beer? He's like, what's wrong with club soda? If you want to appear to be drinking so that it's not a thing or you have, you know, the crutch of just having something in your hand, why not club soda? That I was kind of taken aback by that. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think do you think it's like gambling? Like this is me kind of taking a little step. Keep in mind when I was drinking and I've been sober for three and a half years when I was drinking. I never liked beer. I would always joke. There's no alcohol in beer. I didn't like the taste. I would only go for hard alcohol spirits, gin mostly. Um, so for me, it's not really a part of the ritual that I used to have, but he's saying it may well be. And what is it even doing for me? Cause I don't even particularly like the taste of non-alcoholic beer. The fact that I'm even responding to this like this, that I'm kind of weirded out by it probably means I shouldn't drink it in the first place. There you go. If this winds up being a discussion, take it off the table and not don't don't go down that road. Just take it off the table. There's no need. But now I feel like I shouldn't have made a discussion with you. I shouldn't have made a discussion <laughs> to him so I could justify it. But the very act of thinking I could have behaved differently to justify consuming a little alcohol is a strange behavior that I should probably cut out. Yeah. I guess I just yeah. played this all out in front of you, but uh, yeah, you're you're tempting fate. And and you're knowingly tempting fate. And and you're having such an internal dialogue about it. That's the clue that you don't need this. It's wrong. You're not taking cooking with white wine for me. I always cook out the alcohol. I'm not putting, you know, raw white wine. The alcohol steams off. There's no booze in the food. There was an older comedian from years ago. Oh, I don't remember his name. He goes, the name of our show is cooking with wine. It's not that we use wine in any of the recipes. It's I cook under the influence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, well, it's funny. Every recipe that I see that involves wine is like, pour yourself a glass first. And I'm like, no, uh, I put the wine back in the fridge for my girlfriend. Uh, but yeah, I guess I'll cut out the non-alcoholic beer. If this is so much on your mind, it's you're telling you that you're kind of obsessing on it and it's not good for you it off and i the reason i even thought about this is i read something you wrote about gambling which has nothing to do with alcohol so that's a form of gambling i know what's up i guess i just i didn't even consider it until my therapist said it and yeah i guess that's where i'm at with it can i talk about something else of course not on our agenda uh when i was at the sweat i was chatting with a lovely uh <laughs> i'm gonna call her a young person i think she's in her 40s but to me, that's young. Uh, her name is Steph. 
she's indigenous, Mohawk of Turtle Clan. And I wanted her to tell me something that was interesting. <laughs> you just went up to her and say, tell me something interesting. Yeah, I said, well, she, she's also a therapist uh, or she works for, I don't know, some, some community service. She helps people. She helps people. And I said, I'd like to do a, a video with you and uh, anything we, we could talk about anything. What would you like to talk about? And she said, uh, I'd like to differentiate between being uncomfortable and being unsafe. And I thought, that's so cool. I, I've never made that distinction myself. She says, yeah, a lot of people um, confuse uh, those two. And when they're uncomfortable, they, they think it's unsafe, but it, you have to be uncomfortable in life. Uh, that's where change comes from. I feel like you have a right to be safe. You don't necessarily have a right to be comfortable, or, which is to say you don't have a right to be not uncomfortable. Uh, but go on. What were you saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought that was such a great distinction because these days, so many people who are uncomfortable are riding it as if it's unsafe. And they shy away from that which is uncomfortable and they don't learn how to cope. You know, at the end of the day, we only build resiliency by uh, managing adversity. So we have to be uncomfortable to develop that uh, resiliency. I, I just wanted to mention this because uh, I loved this young woman. Uh, I thought she was brilliant. I thought the point that she wanted to raise in a quickie little video with me was wonderful that distinction between being uncomfortable and being unsafe. I, I just love Steph for uh, pointing that distinction out to me. Well, I'm, I'm glad you shared that with me, Gary. Yeah, I wanted to give her a shout out. She deserved it. Uh, you, you know, every now and again, you come away with a nugget, right? And uh, I like to share those nuggets and I like to give attribution. All right. Nuggets with Gary. I feel like that's a, a short <laughs> series, you know, one minute a day, Gary's nuggets. Uh, you know, Gary's nuggets. It kind of sounds like testicles, but it, it, maybe that's a fun part of it. <laughs> and I'm not either uncomfortable un or unsafe with you saying that. <laughs> <laughs> if the word testicles makes you feel uncomfortable, unsafe, I'm worried about you, Gary. <laughs> oh, God. It's so good catching up with you. All right. We'll do I hope we'll do it again soon, like a couple weeks. You name it. We'll do it. I, like, absolutely. Why not? This is such, such fun, quite frankly. And hopefully we give s some things to people to think about that might make their day better, too. I think our listeners, singular intended there, will really appreciate all this. <laughs> Thank you to the one who's listening. Is that is that what we're going to pay homage to? Sure. I've always done that. Always pretended <laughs> there's one listener. It's just like a shticky thing that I've always done. Uh, good evening, listener, singular intended. That's how I would open my radio show. That's how I used to do my podcast back in the day when I was uh, still had a day job and this was just a hobby for me. Uh, Gary, it's a pleasure to see you. Thanks for doing this. All the best.